0: Hey everyone, welcome to The Lifted Podcast. I'm your host, Talon Denham, and this is a place for us to talk about what we're doing every day to raise our vibration and understand ourselves more deeply as energetic beings and co-creators. So if you're new here, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited that you came across this podcast in whatever way, shape, or form you did Today we are hashtag blessed by Freya Haley. She She's amazing, she's based in Australia and she focuses on embodiment, self-love, healing from trauma, staying heart-centered, And she shares really beautiful, vulnerable content to help women, especially, release anxiety and stagnant energy. If you follow her, you know that she loves to use dance as a tool for transformation. So, in this episode, we talk about all of that. We talk about the power of intuitive dance and staying connected to the heart certain meditations you can do around that. Uh, And we also get into some pretty deep topics like recovering from childhood trauma. So I do just want to give you guys a little disclaimer that some of the conversational pieces we have are potentially triggering. Um, But I think it's really important to talk about uh, this, this deeper stuff. And of course, we also talk about confidence and freedom from all of these societal standards that women especially are expected to live up to so this is a really good one and I feel so grateful it felt like talking with a sister you know and I'm so happy that Freya was able to sit down with us but uh, I will just leave it there let you guys enjoy the episode thank you again for being here and I'll talk to you on the flip side So, yeah, the first question I'll ask you is, how do you like to start your days off? We were just talking a little bit about your mornings, but what do your mornings typically look like?
1: Um so recently, like I mean I used to have the whole huge morning routine where I'd get up and I'd do half an hour meditation and then I'd do yoga and you know it was really quite structured, and you know that served me at that time. but recently, like I've literally just been loving going for a walk. <laughs> Like I just get up and the first thing I do, I live near like this nature reserve and I just walk there and I just walk around with my hand on my heart and I set my intentions underneath this one tree and I just walk and, you know, smell all the different smells of the earth and like really like allow my senses to to take over. Um, And, yeah, that's what I've been doing recently and that's something that I find really easy to do consistently every morning because it is something so simple and so replenishing <laughs> it's so good for me personally um so that's been my main thing recently and everything else is kind of interchangeable like some mornings I'll meditate <laughs> some mornings I'll dance mm-hmm. um and some mornings I won't do anything except go for the walk um but I still feel like I have a full
0: cup after that. (laughs) Oh, I love that. You know, and it it doesn't put so much pressure on yourself either to have like a checklist for the first thing that you do when you wake up in the morning to like give yourself the freedom to just go explore for a minute.
1: Yeah, fully. And I feel like, um, I I could go on a tangent about this, but I feel like there's just such like a pressure um, with self-care and self-love and spirituality, like with this like perfectionism, like you have to do it so right otherwise you've just put so much unrealistic expectation on yourself to meditate for an hour every day and become enlightened every morning. And it's just like, some days you just got to like, just go into nature
0: and just be human, you know? (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I think you just hit the nail on the head there because this topic keeps coming up too with other guests, like this perfectionism, like you just said around the health and wellness industry, because we're all trying to raise our vibration. We're in the midst of awakening and Um, it's almost ironic because there comes this like ego trip with it. That's like, I want to be more evolved or more (laughs) enlightened instead of just keeping it on this equal playing field and really coming back to uh, the highest frequency being joy or, you know, contentment and just like comfort. So yeah, Yeah. that's such a good way of mentioning that. Fully. And
1: like, you know, like you can do as much self-development as you want, but if you're not like just letting yourself be wherever you're at at the same time like you're just you're just trying to be you know someone you're not Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what I mean and I you know I've definitely been caught up with this in the past where I've been like oh I'm not meditating I'm not spiritual enough and it's just this like I'm not enough that keeps playing out
0: yeah you know yeah absolutely And, you know, even taking little walks, I do the same thing as you now, I I just try to take a little walk run in the morning where it's like my 30 to 40 minutes of just like, only being there and allowing any thoughts to come through. So that kind of in Mm -hmm. itself is a walking meditation and, and kind of an example of how we can lead our lives like that in every way. So no matter what we're doing, we're, we're present, it doesn't necessarily have to be sitting down like, meditating for yeah. thirty
1: minutes. Yeah, <laughs> not so rigid.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I'm but, curious. Like, what uh, what do you do when you meditate, or when you get into that zone? Um, you know, what kind of modalities do you use? Do you like to chant, or like, what do you like to do?
1: I do a lot of different stuff with meditations, but the one thing that I really tend to fall back on is like a Hridaya style meditation, where it's like focusing on the heart space and allowing like your breath to amplify whatever's in your heart space i've been to you know a couple like three, three Hridaya style meditation retreats now <clears throat> excuse me um and they've all been like fundamentally healing <laughs> like absolutely mind shattering heart opening life expanding healing you know what i mean and that is the kind of meditation that i feel i really resonate with because you know, a lot of what I do and just who I am in general is very Mm -hmm. heart-centered. So yeah, those are the meditations I generally fall back on. It's just like putting my presence in my heart space, allowing myself to feel my heart space and just like allowing it to grow and open up. Um, I have done like a few other guided meditations before as well. And I love to... I love to sing when I'm doing, like, as you mentioned before, those walking meditations. I just like sing whatever comes through. And it's not necessarily chanting, it's just like humming in random notes and languages (laughs) and stuff like that. Mm. Just me in the trees hanging out. Um, Yeah. And yeah, yeah, exactly. And I have done um, mantra as well. Probably like this time last year, it was like the most healing thing for me. Um, and I would do it every day, but at the moment it's definitely, um, the heart opening Hridaya style meditation and just allowing myself to like really ground and fall heavy (laughs) into my meditation, into my seat, or if I'm walking into the earth.
0: Mm. So yeah. I've actually never heard of that style of meditation. It sounds really beautiful. So is it like a visualization exercise mixed with breath work that helps you open your heart or what does it entail?
1: so basically the my experience with Hridaya, i've not you know studied it or anything but my personal experience and what i've found to be meaningful is like there's a few different techniques that you do so there's like the numbers technique which is like you put numbers in your heart space and you count to seven and then you go back and then you count to 14 and then you go back and if you lose your place like you start at the start and then there's another one which is like focusing on the embers of the heart and that's a visualization where you focus on like you've got these coals in your heart space and every breath that you breathe in like opens them up and eventually you turn into like a giant ball of flame. <laughs> um, I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really cool. And yeah, it's basically a mixture between concentration and surrender. Mm -hmm. So it's like the concentration, which is concentrating on the visualization technique or concentrating on your heart space um, and putting in that effort, I suppose, which is what a lot of people think meditation is just that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's the surrender aspect, which is like allowing everything to be as it is and just allowing yourself to just fall into it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I hope that explains it.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Totally. Totally. You know, I was mentioning to you before we started recording that uh, when I came across your content, you gave me such a feeling of freedom and authenticity it actually made me emotional watching your videos and your content because you really show up in such an authentic way you don't put filters on yourself, you speak from the heart, so it really makes sense that this is the the practice that you're integrating <laughs> because like you uh exhibit it it's amazing, so I'd love to ask you too about where your confidence came from and how you got yourself to this place, because you are, you're young. Like, I I think I'm like Mm -hmm. five or six years older than you are. And it's taken me till now. And I'm still not fully at this place where I'm like, unapologetically confident. And I know I'll get Mm -hmm. there. But I feel like you've tapped into something here. So what's Mm -hmm. that look like for you? I just
1: wanted to jot in quickly that I'm also not 100% confident. Like, Mm -hmm. no way. And I think that it is definitely a never-ending journey for a lot of us because the societal conditioning is so deeply ingrained, so deeply ingrained. And, you know, all the stories around not good enough is just so there. Um, But how did I get to that point? Great question. So (laughs) I'm going to paint you all a little little anecdotal picture here. Um, Probably when I was, like you know, in, in high school, I think you guys call it middle school over there or something. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, we're well, like a I, step, step off from each other, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically,
1: like, when um, I was like 14 to 17, like, you know, in my really formative years, like, I fully hated myself, like, and it trips me out thinking back to the viewpoint that I had of myself, Um I was just like so socially anxious and I couldn't go through conversations a lot (laughs) without just like feeling just so overwhelmed and um you know like the usual stuff I'd look in the mirror and just actually think I was disgusting and that kind of stuff so that was that was basically where I was and it's been a humongous journey for me to be where I am now but I think the main things that helped me build myself up was a being authentic you know just like stopping myself from like trying to lie to people to impress them and you know stopping myself from people pleasing and just being like okay well who actually am I because amongst all of that self-hatred amongst all of that wildness (laughs) in my earlier journey like I had no clue who I was I forgot you know Um, so just stripping myself back and just being like who actually am I like Mm -hmm. what do I actually want to do and what am I actually passionate about Mm -hmm. I'm just really connecting to that part of myself Um, I think as well (laughs) and I'm going to talk about this a lot probably but the dancing like the dancing was huge for me Mm -hmm. Um, and you know I did dance like when I was younger in high school and I never found it to be super empowering. Like I was always looking at everyone else being like, Oh, I cannot dance in time. Like I I'm not doing these moves right. I don't have a ballet body, yada, 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 yada. And then when I started just like being home alone and being able to just put on my music and just dance like a freak, (laughs) like so much of my, of my joy came back to me. So much of my inner child came back to me and that really helped me remember oh, like, I'm actually, like, I actually really love fun and I love music and I love play. Like, that's who I am, Mm -hmm. you know? So that was huge. Um, And honestly, just a whole bunch of other stuff, like shadow work and a child work, spiritual awakenings and then dark nights of the soul and then this and that. And it was just been a flurry. And I feel like throughout every single life experience, like, I've been able to find that courage, that freedom and that confidence and that empowerment by telling myself just, just by sheer willpower, just by being like, I'm not going to hate myself because mm-hmm. I've been there and it's fucked.
0: <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. Did you have One, a moment oh, where like you, um, switch the narrative or you caught yourself for the first time? Like, do you remember when you started yeah. to shift? Yeah.
1: Fully, mm-hmm. fully. I remember it. It was like, um, It was like a, an afternoon in my, in my parents' house and I was home alone and I was just having like a breakdown because I was meant to be going on a date. And I was just like, Oh my God, I just can't do it. Like I can't Mm -hmm. go on this date. Like I'm ugly and disgusting. I can't do it. You know what I mean? And um, it was like my first date ever. So it was a huge, huge thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I ended up canceling the date and I was just like, okay, let's just sit with whatever I'm feeling right now. And I just felt like so much shame and so much unworthiness which stemmed from my assault you know and I wrote out this huge letter to myself and to the universe and to whoever wanted to hear it you know just being like I'm not gonna let this rule my life anymore like I'm not going to be the victim anymore I'm not going to let self-hatred have power over me <laughs> And, um, it was this huge moment where I fully just made a decision and everything since then has just clicked into place. Like it's, I always tell, you know, the women that I'm working with and the people that I'm working with that it all self-love takes really like all confidence and love and empowerment takes is like the deep commitment to be there for yourself and the deep commitment to, to, you know, not let any of that other bullshit that's in your head, like, stop you from being who you are and loving who you are. Mm-hmm. And then like obviously like there's the micro version of that where it's like in every single moment, every situation you like it's choosing gentleness and choosing self-compassion, but macrocosmically I suppose like the the decision that you make sets you on that trajectory and sets you on that path.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, I think so many women in particular that struggle with a trauma um, like you did, and I'm so grateful that you were open to mentioning that, um, you know, it can affect them for the rest of their lives and people Mm -hmm. don't even know where to turn. Was there anyone who was there for you to help you make this shift and start to unravel your trauma or like, how did you start to heal? I actually did
1: it alone in the beginning. Um, so for the first year or so, I was alone. But what had actually triggered me to actually look at it was uh, my best friend at the time was raped, mm. and I was holding her through everything and realizing like I know exactly how this feels. And it was the first time like I mean I'd acknowledged my assault and everything, and and had been like okay this has happened to me and not really thought anything of it, and then seeing the way that the the rape had affected her. Um, struck a chord in me because I was like I've actually been affected in this way too and I've never addressed it and I feel like this is something quite common in in survivors that of survivors of childhood you know sexual abuse where it's like you you don't you're not in the space to address it when you're young you don't even know what's happened and you just get so confused and, and scared and and then when you're actually older is when everything starts to be present for you to for you to address but I think it was really interesting what you mentioned before how like some people never address it and I've seen it firsthand like I've seen adults that have got unaddressed trauma that they just never want to even open up or look at and it plays out in so many little little ways you know throughout their behavior and throughout their lives but I guess for me like yeah my my friend's experience really made it evident for me, and I started just working on it on my own. And then later on down the track, after that, I started with Reiki, which was super super healing. Um, and I know that you do that actually, um, and that was like incredibly healing for me. Um, I would do like hour and a half long Reiki sessions, and they would always bring about super fundamental shifts. And then later on down the track, I did conventional therapy as well, which was also probably just as equally healing as the Reiki and the energetic healing stuff. Um, so, yeah.
0: I'm curious to know about like diving into that shadow work for the first time. Was it, you think, uh, a self-worth lack that was coming up for you most? Like what was the the rub in there that was the most difficult mm. to transmute?
1: The most difficult was the paranoia. Um, mm. And when the shadow shit first started, like, coming up, it was, like, it's really it's really quite sticky and hard for me to describe sometimes, but it's, like, I would just be so afraid every single day of everything. Um, and it was just, like, a state of being just in so much shame and fear that I was just, like, I literally thought I was dead every single day. I would wake up and I'd be, like, okay, I'm not alive. Like, I'm not here. Yeah. Um, you know, and I was getting sleep paralysis every night and these crazy experiences. Um, and that was huge. And the self-worth has kind of been like, as well as that. So that was a bit, Okay. Let me just describe this in a linear fashion that makes sense. <laughs> um, so like the paranoia was like the biggest hurdle and the biggest chunk. And then the self-worth has kind of been like a little layer as well that's just been quite consistent regardless of whether that paranoia was healed or not so the self-worth has kind of been more of a long winding journey but the paranoia was definitely like a hard hard hurdle mm-hmm. um i completely forgot the question and went on a tangent
0: <laughs> oh no i love it yeah i was just asking what was the most difficult thing to transmute and you absolutely you said paranoia yeah. and when did you start to notice that it became lessened like when did you start to notice like oh okay i'm I'm waking up a, in a little bit of an easier state or you know yeah
1: what's actually really interesting is like that paranoia like triggered my i guess what i would call my first kind of awakening experience where i kind of learned like oh my goodness this is what it's like to be alive this is what it's like to be present i've never experienced this before and like I think what was happening for me at that time was, you know, I was actually reading power of now and it was like, it shifted so much because I was just like, Oh, there's all this paranoia coming up, but actually like, I'm just eternal oneness looking at this (laughs) and it was huge. It was huge for me to have that. And, um, as well, um, I stopped smoking weed. I mean, weed at the time was as well enhancing all of that paranoia and stuff and stopped doing that and then was able to just be clear and to, like, address everything, um, you know, clearly without that fuzziness um,
0: going on. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, and for women who are kind of new to this healing process and might have experienced something similar to you, do you have any recommendations for them as to where to start or just to start like peeling back the layers a little bit? I know you mentioned Mm. um, writing a letter to yourself, which was really beautiful. Is there anything else that you'd recommend?
1: Definitely the writing of the letters. I think a lot of the a lot of the feelings that come up when you experience this particular brand of, of trauma is like the shame, um, the sexual suppression, um, the unworthiness, and all of the stuff that comes with that, you know, the fear and the paranoia and all that. And I think that the more that you can step into, I like the word the moment sovereignty the more you can step into like you are in power and you are in control the less that that shit is going to eat you up you know what i mean like the more that you can just be like i'm actually taking ownership of my life of my sexual power of myself (laughs) of my mental health the more you can say i'm the captain of this ship (laughs) the more that all of that other stuff is rendered a little bit you know a little bit less detrimental Mm -hmm. and i think that writing the letters for me some other things that have been super healing is of course the reiki and the energetic healing because you can physically feel the energy just being taken off you like other people's Mm -hmm. shit just being taken off you and it's so so potent and so healing um so yeah, the lettuce, the Reiki, um, the conventional therapy is also awesome if you want to address it in a more, um, what's the word? Conventional or traditional?
0: I don't know, but it's, um, it's just like talking, right? It's like talk therapy. Mm-hmm. So allowing yourself to verbally express what happened in yeah. a safe environment. In so- a, yeah,
1: super safe environment. Um, yeah, I guess it's just that vulnerability and being able to be seen no matter what comes up. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, vulnerability, vulnerability. How did I forget that? That's been huge for me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's been like so healing. Like when I was able to tell my parents what had happened to me and able to tell my friends and even the internet, (laughs) Yeah, it was fundamentally healing because what that vulnerability does is completely wipes out that shame you know, completely wipes out the shame of, like, oh, I'm disgusting because this happened to me. Like, I'm tainted because this happened to me. Like, no, Mm -hmm. no. (laughs) Um, And someone that I'd really recommend
0: for that is Brene Brown.
1: She's, like, fucking awesome.
0: (laughs) She is fucking awesome. She's got a... I don't know if it's new, but her Netflix, uh, what is it? The Power of Vulnerability or something or Call to Courage? Something like that, Call to Courage. She has a Courage
1: and Vulnerability one. I get them confused.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They're kind of intertwined, but that's, oh, that's such a great recommendation for people to watch. Yeah. I wanted to come back to your um, Reiki and dance healing because it's so interesting how you say, Reiki, you can uh, tangibly feel the energy shift and get pulled out. It's so real. I remember when I was first starting to practice, my sister had a headache and she was you know, she doesn't really like this stuff, not really familiar with it. And I was like, well, just let me try because I need to practice and um, anybody can do this. It's, it's not just like one person can be a Reiki healer. All of us have the potential to tap into this magnetism and this healing, energetic healing mm-hmm. ability. So I literally just put my hands on her head and spun out the headache and pulled it out of her head. And she literally felt it leave. It had been like, and she described it as like um, a Harry Potter moment. Uh, what was she, <laughs> she was like, it was like one of those little spells, that, like those little memories that you have oh, in your heads, right? Yeah. It was I such a those. cool visualization. But uh, and the people I was studying with at the time were all having these similar experiences where they were able to shift their own energy or somebody else's. So. Mm-hmm. So to connect that with dance too, because when you dance, like the shaking literally uh shakes out some of that trauma that's stored in your body, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. my
1: Oh my gosh, I get so passionate talking about this. Ah! <laughs> but basically like the the dance for me, like the dance that I do is definitely like you know i have just joyous fun dancing but i also have some really deeply intuitive healing dancing that i do as well um and the two things that i really feel that doing for me is one i feel myself like fully present in my body like occupying every single muscle cell and that's really healing for me because it's almost like I'm just like exercising everything that's not me, just pulling so much of myself and so much of my soul and my heart space, and my light into my body where it's just like everything else that isn't resonant with that just dissipates, you know? And as well, like the shaking, like there's this actually, um, there's this person called Pete Peter Levine, Pete Levine, someone Levine. Anyways, mm-hmm. I'll get back to you on that. And he was a psychologist and somatic therapist. And basically he worked with the idea about when you have trauma, the only way the body expels it is by shaking it off, you know? Um, and what happens to a lot of humans is we go into shock and we hold it. And then it just stays stuck in our bodies, you know? And this is a pretty common um pretty common idea in the somatics you know community where it's like you hold on to this trauma and until you're like able to shake it off or release it it stays there um and I have felt that personally very much so because in some some dances that I do like I just tap into like the deepest depths of like my dark emotions and I'm just like Sorting it away and cutting it off and like shaking it off and mm-hmm. and just really allowing my body to do whatever my body wants to do, even if I look like a freak. And might I mention that I dance in public like a lot,
0: <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just like I now they're like
1: looking looking really like creature like, you know? Yes. Um, just getting all these weird emotions and <laughs> dark murky things out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you like bring that presence like into your body, like you can just push it out. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. It does I mean, make
0: you sense. Try it. <laughs> I think that people uh, might experience this with yoga too, you know, like the crow mm. pose or like those hip, hip openers always make me cry. Cause it's like, so yeah. much of my, <laughs> uh, my uh, shadow and internal baggage is like in my hips and in my thighs um, or the heart opening mm. meditations that you were doing. Like we can, mm. we can really shift this energy and even something like I notice every time I get in bed, like after a long day, I'll just like start kicking my legs. Like, I feel Oh my like- God, I do that too. <laughs> <laughs> I literally was like, I need to tell somebody so that they, I'm not alone. But, <laughs> the little, like the little kicks in bed. I think that's us just releasing all of the energy from the day. Um, yeah,
1: I get twitches, like, like leg twitches, and I can't what? stop until I like kick them all out.
0: <laughs> oh my god, I know, and then it feels so good, like I just feel so giddy, I'm like yes, I've like stretched and shaked, and like, <laughs> now I'm like totally ready to go to bed.
1: Yeah, I loved what you said about the yoga before, because when I first started doing yoga um, as well, like I would be in that one, um, I think it's called runner's lunge. And it's like, you've got your right leg all the way back and your hip like is fully just like opened up. Mm. And I remember the first time I did that, I was fucking angry. Like I was just so angry yeah. for no reason. And I just couldn't stop. And the, the shit that was coming out of my voice being like, why the fuck, Mikey, why am I doing this? Blah, blah, blah. It was so potent, so mm-hmm. potent. And then we moved into a different pose and I was like, whoa, what was that? And I, I really think that, you know, with any kind of movement that you do, with any kind of body, bodily thing that you do, like we all have the power to to tap into that and to, you know, Mm -hmm. give space to those emotions that are stored there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know, this is kind of an off topic too, but um, I was just thinking about how much food affects us because I've been in kind of like this funk a little bit for the last week and I'm like, what's going on? And I looked at my diet and I was like, well, my diet's not great. It's probably my gut health that's affecting Mm. my brain because the vagus nerve connects the two. And I was like, I really need to change my diet. So have you had any experience, like how do you like to eat? And like, do you feel like food has incorporated it into your healing as well? Or has that been kind of mm. not really something you're working with? Honestly, not really. Like yeah.
1: not, it's not been huge for me. Like I did definitely used to binge eat a lot where I would just like, where I'd just like feel really uncomfortable in my body, and I'd just be like, jar of olives, yes, jar of pickles, yes. Let's just eat it all, you know, mm-hmm. just not really knowing what I was putting into my body. Mm-hmm. But I don't. Apart from that, I don't. Ha- I've not had a lot of struggles with it. I'm really lucky about that. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was younger, I used to not eat a lot, like just because I just didn't like the feeling of eating. I don't know. It was really weird. But um, I mean, I've been plant based for for four years now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I definitely noticed a shift when that happened. And recently, I've been paying a lot more attention to health and what I put in my body and, you know, getting enough iron or magnesium or whatever it is, you know, and just making sure that I'm being attentive to that. But Mm
0: -hmm. that's about
1: like the depth of my experience with the food medicine stuff. But Mm -hmm. I do understand that it is totally potent.
0: Yeah. Well, it sounds like you eat beautifully uh and plant-based and okay so i'm curious too about how you were raised and what your parents were like in the household this is just getting into your spirituality like i'm so curious to know how you became this uh embodied like such a wonderful spiritual person did you grow up in an environment that supported that or no black sheep of the family (laughs) yeah
1: black sheep um i mean my parents are quite traditionally australian um, they both grew up in the country. Like it was just like a, I don't know. I mean, my parents were both quite intelligent, so they definitely encouraged me to think for myself. And I had a relatively good upbringing with them, you know? Um, and they always, always, always encouraged a lot of freedom. Like I was always, I was never really like helicopter parented is what my parents would call it Mm -hmm. I was never watched over or you know necessarily like guided in a certain direction my parents just like gave birth and they were like okay you do you (laughs) you know which I'm really grateful for Mm -hmm. um I've definitely turned out different to my brother and sister um and different to my parents Mm -hmm. But I think that what I'm really grateful for is that freedom that they allowed me to just be me because then I was just able to come through as whatever I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. The spirituality stuff, my parents are not religious. They're quite atheist, in fact. They don't really believe anything's going on. They believe when you die, you die, and that's that. (laughs) Um, So all this, but it's really interesting because when I was younger, I used to beg my parents to go to church. (laughs) Oh, I was like, I really, really want to go to church.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, and they were like, no, you don't need to go to church. Don't go to church. So I never went, went to church, but I always had this feeling that I really wanted to know what this God business was about. Like I always had something else going on. And when I was younger, like I would always feel that when I was in nature, mm. you know, I had a really, really good sensor for earth energy and i was able to really pick it up and to feel it and to like i'd always have just like random conversations with mother earth and just be like <laughs> you know yeah. um so yeah i don't know i feel like i've just like yeah gone totally my own way mm-hmm. but i've been fortunate enough to have the freedom to do so
0: mm-hmm. Was it um, a turning point for you after your assault happened that you started to recognize yourself as a soul having a physical experience, or was it before that that you started to understand what was going on?
1: Honestly, I don't know. I know that when I was just before the assault, because I was seven when I was assaulted. So oh, really? Super, young. Super, young. Yeah, super, super young. Yes, super, super young. So I know that before that, like this is the one thing I remember. I know that before that, like I just was a being of unconditional love like I literally would just go up to any random person and be like do you want a hug like (laughs) just like really really sweet and after the assault I was kind of just like where the fuck am I Mm. what is this planet what is going on Mm -hmm. am I dying like you know that kind of like all that really interesting paranoia fear weird stuff started coming in
0: Mm -hmm. um but yeah,
1: I think that answers the question. <laughs> oh yeah,
0: no, absolutely. So what do you perceive now as what's happening? I love hearing people's interpretations and their own experiences. Like, do you feel like you're a soul and an avatar? Like, how do you perceive source energy?
1: Mm, okay. Um, well.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, that's like a wild, big question. <laughs> yeah. but, um, a huge question, know, but I know like, I love it. What do you think is uh, not your purpose or like your dharma here? Like, why do you think you incarnated on earth or or what do you think is going to happen when you die?
1: Huge. So, I mean, I've had a few experiences where I have experienced death. Mm-hmm. It's like almost like a near death experience, but they were, um, you know, around like psychedelics and stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, But basically like I fully think that what happens when you die is you just go back to source, go back to the formless until you're ready to incarnate again, whether that be on earth or somewhere else, like that's just where you go. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember when I was experiencing all that crazy paranoia stuff, like I was just like so scared of dying and really like looking at that front on was really fundamentally healing for me because it led me to go on this meditation retreat where i had this incredible experience um, of just like tapping into the heart space so deeply that i was able to fully feel source and consciousness and myself as that Mm -hmm. so what i think about all this (laughs) is basically that inside every one of us in our heart space that's where i feel it personally is is our source is God, consciousness, Gaia, whatever you want to call it. You know, that's where it is. And you can tap deeply enough into that to understand it and to be present in it. I remember the first time that I experienced this during a meditation and it was just a meditation, nothing else, just me sitting, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I just kept surrendering and surrendering and surrendering and layer after layer after layer. and Thought would come in, surrendering, you know, just fully surrendering into what is and it got to this point where i was at what i call the kingdom of heaven and i was at the pearly gates of the kingdom of heaven within myself and it was like a very visceral experience and um i was just like oh how do i get in there like i really want to get in there and as soon as i was like i really want to get in there i was 10 layers back you know, and then I had to surrender and surrender and surrender and surrender until I got to the gates again. And then I was like, oh, I just I just let myself be there. Okay. So mm. just surrendered into it. And I just felt pure bliss, pure love, pure just consciousness, and just what it felt like to just be there mm-hmm. for about 10, 20 seconds, and then it went away again. And I came out of the meditation high. <laughs> yep. Like It was like crazy, like something had been released in my brain. I was just like, This leaf, this, that, this. Oh, (laughs) I was just like so excited to be alive. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, so I think that everyone, everyone has that same consciousness within them, whether they're, you know, an old, old mate Joe from the firm, or whether it's like the most enlightened guru, like, or whatever. Like, everyone has it, and everyone has the same potency of it. And it's just about, you know how much you're able to tap into that
0: mm-hmm. you know yeah i think you bringing up nature too is so important and so um resonant with me because well i've also used a good amount of plant medicine but what i love about plant medicine and psychedelics is that it's it's almost like or for me at least i would recognize myself as an organic being like i would look down at my skin and i'd be like I am literally like the tree or like I'm like my dog next to me. It's like it's kind of hard to explain but you almost look at your flesh or your body as completely organic and connected to earth and yeah you start to sense this vibration around you in the in the plants and the trees and I would always see spirits come through the trees. Mm. Um but what I love about it is that it's um it stays with you afterwards. It's not like some crazy trip where you just forget everything and whatever. It's Mm -hmm. like, now I still, I still look at a flower. I'm looking out the window right now, just like still in awe. Like it's that senses, it's almost like a a learning. It's like it accesses some other part of your brain that um, triggers you to think completely differently about the world. And it doesn't have to be through psychedelics, like you just explained through your beautiful meditation. Mm -hmm. So I definitely am not like, telling anybody to do psychedelics, but I think (laughs) it's a a great catalyst, but um, I've recognized the same patterns in meditations or uh, dream work has been really helpful for me to, to practice lucid dreaming or mm. I've been able to astral project one time in my life, which I'll, I know I can get back to one day. <laughs> <right Church now>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that was it. That's why I asked, like, was that, what was it that like started to make you understand that you are a soul having a physical experience? And when I experienced my soul, like hovering out of my body, I was like, that's just like a shell. It's literally just uh, a shell. So it, like, mm. it helps you to kind of understand that uh, all of this is more materialistic and, and kind of can just be fun. It's like a fun experience. Like this can be more of a playground mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. anything that's like so serious. But
1: mm. I always say that. I always say earth is my playground mm. and that's that. Like I'm just here like to have fun and to just, you know, try and have as much fun as possible. And that's what life is about and no need to complicate it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> totally, I know we complicate things so much. It's like, especially too, as women, like I feel like we're we're all trying to work through these societal programs that we were talking about earlier too. But you know, whether it's the way that we're supposed to look and dress and uh, prepare ourselves and or just get married or uh, go to college or work in this way. And it's like, I feel like in the past 10 years, um, I've just noticed a huge shift in that. Like, are there any societal norms that you used to take as like just Mm. factual? Like, this is how I'm supposed to behave that you've broken out of?
1: Yeah, fully. Um, I think that in regards to the Madonna-Whore complex, that's been huge. Um, Being like either you were like, a beautiful virgin and everything or like you're a, a, just a prostitute and whatever you know what I mean like I feel like breaking down those barriers around sexuality and being like well actually this is my sexuality and I don't have to explain that to anyone and I don't have to be anything that anyone wants me to be that's been huge Um and I think as well beauty constructs has been massive 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 and I'm actually reading this book at the moment called *The Beauty Myth*, which is all about this. It's from the '90s, and it's basically about how um, society's been programming women to not like their bodies to profit off of it, and you know, to create a more sustainable economic structure. It's really interesting, and I can definitely see how prevalent and evident that is for so many people, women and men, you know, mm-hmm. um, or whatever um and i think that that's been something that's been really awesome to break down personally and collectively as well just being like i don't actually need to go and get lip fillers i don't need to go and do whatever like if i want to do that sure go ahead mm. if that's what i find empowering fuck yeah i'm going to do it but i don't need to do that i don't need to have shaved legs i don't need to have a clean pussy like a clean shaven pussy like I don't need any of that bullshit and I think that's been really really awesome for me to like actually question like what is beauty but not, not like what is beauty that's been like what is the beauty that's been imposed onto me what is like my version of beauty you know and I talk about that a lot (laughs) in in the love club and and you know just on social media as well it's just like I feel like a lot of the reason why people struggle with like self-hatred so much is because a like we are fully conditioned (laughs) to go after this perfect ideal that no one ever attains And B, because of our life experience, our lived experience that make us feel like we're not good enough. So in order to feel good enough, we go after that. We go after that idea. You know what I mean? Um, So that's been probably one of the biggest ones for me, I reckon.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because yeah, absolutely. Beauty has always been at the forefront of my struggles or like self-worth issues is that like, Oh, am I matching up to the standard right now? And then, but as you reach it, the standard changes. So it's like this never ending loop of like, what the heck? (laughs) Like, what am I I do? Yeah. I know.
1: Yeah. It's so
0: empowering to hear you say that and to just, you know, have people like you who are an example of that. Um, and just doing whatever you feel, uh, feels right for you. Like, really helpful to see that which I think is a positive thing that's been happening um in Mm -hmm. the past few years is that a lot more people are coming out to say okay I don't need to be like a size two (laughs) okay (laughs) you know fully so different now which is really good but fully Mm
1: -hmm. and you know honestly like we can talk as much shit as we want about social media but the effects that social media like has had on the self-love movement and on the self-acceptance and body acceptance movement has been oh just just oh you know like it's been yeah. awesome to see and obviously there's that other side of it which is like you know there's like people on social media that look so beautiful all the time and there's models and this and all that but you can like choose to tune out of that if that's worrying you and choose to tune into like the hundreds and thousands of accounts that are like hey i look like this and i love myself hey i look like this and i love myself hey it doesn't matter what i look like i still love myself you know what i mean and yeah I think that social media is like awesome for that because personally I found like an incredible community everyone I follow is like Mm. so cool
0: (laughs) oh I'm so with you it took me a little while to get to that place where I was like oh okay I need to filter my feed so that uh, I'm seeing really empowering messages and I'm not following people that make me feel uncomfortable like have you always been kind of okay with social media or do you feel like there was a point where you needed to create some boundaries with the content you were consuming or do some editing there?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, I think it was like a year ago. I just unfollowed everyone. I was like, see ya. And then just started following people after that. Yeah, um, Cause I just, I think I had a breakdown or something. And I was like, fuck it. I'm just doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Ended up being a breakthrough. But um, yeah, I think that, for me personally, I often like mute accounts, even accounts that I love. Like if it's someone that I find really, really inspiring who's doing amazing things, like one day I might just wake up and be like, Oh, they're so pretty, why am I so ugly? Or oh, they're doing this with their life on. And then I just mute mute them for a few days until yeah. that goes away. And then I unmute them again and get to, you know, engage properly with their inspiring content rather than just being like, ah, blah, blah, blah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Um So, yeah, I think that constantly readjusting those boundaries as well because I even have, like, friends that I look at sometimes and I'm like, oh, I'm feeling really bad about myself looking at this and I know it's not them because they're writing these amazing captions about, like, and this is love and this is this, but I'm just looking at it being like, I uh, I hate myself.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you just got to, like,
1: yeah, yeah, you just got to tune out of it occasionally and even if it's someone you find so inspiring, just don't feel guilty about it. Just tune out of it. And if they ask you about it, you can just say, well, I was feeling this, you mm-hmm. know, and then you can tune back in whenever you're ready to as well. Um, and I think that, you know, that's incredibly important. Oh,
0: personally. yeah. And like, it's such a great level of self-awareness to have too, to to catch your thoughts when you're thinking that and, you know, mm-hmm. catch it and be like, oh, I actually don't feel good right now. Uh, mm-hmm. How can I shift my vibration in, in this time? And, and just, yeah, exactly. Do a little mute. That's such a good tip. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, it's typical to just kind of keep scrolling and just be like, oh, I feel like shit. Okay. But, yeah, Mm -hmm. we can stop ourselves and we can really recognize when something is not being helpful. I think of, like, is it harming me or helping me? And and trying to, like, keep that in my head at all times, like, from everything I do. um, Is it harming Mm -hmm. or helping? That's a really good thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I remember, like, this one time, like – I was like i don't know if i should talk about this and then as soon as i said that my my like inner self was like who says you shouldn't talk about this (laughs) um i remember this one time like i had to mute someone who i find really really inspiring because they announced their pregnancy on the same day that i was having an abortion oh yeah it was like huge for me i was like oh i just i feel so guilty about this and like i feel really sad about my loss and all this stuff and And, um, I just ended up muting them for like maybe a month or two until I like went through my process and went through my stuff. And then I follow them again now. And like, I love all their content and none of it makes me feel, you know, sad or guilty or any of that stuff, because I understand now that, you know, it wasn't my time. It was theirs. You know what I mean? It's just like a little example. Like that is just like, who knows what you're going through,
0: you know, and you've just got to listen to it. Yes. And just... To pick up on that, because I think it's such an important thing to talk about too. And I have also had an abortion and more than one in like three or four women have.
1: So mm-hmm. I'm really
0: glad that you just said that really quick, because I, uh, I was doing a past life regression recently. And one of the messages that came through really strongly was to talk about this more because uh, yeah. so many women experience this and it's a suppressed situation that's going on. Yeah, fully. I'm really grateful that you just said that. And, you know, I think it also comes back to our understanding of our experience on this planet too, that these little souls, if they're meant to be with us, they can come back, you know, if we're the avatar, Mm -hmm. like they'll come back. And also it might be the soul's journey, like to just experience what it feels like just to get to that point. And then they travel to their next avatar. Like it's not necessarily the uh, the soul's purpose to fully incarnate in this body until later. That's really that made me feel better. But yeah,
1: yeah, I had the, I had a really similar experience actually. Um, I'll just touch on it quickly. Where I had a meditation when when I was still pregnant, and you know I was like you know grieving a little bit. I was a bit confused. I was like, why is this happening? And then like this like soul's voice just came to me, and it was like the baby um, or the soul, you know, Mm -hmm. and it was just like, Hey, everyone incarnates for a reason. We all know what we're signing up for. It's been a real honor to share this space with you and to show you some parts of yourself that you needed to look at. And that was that, you know, and it was huge for me because I was like, Oh, so like all of this, like anti-abortion dogma that I've been looking at online, like that's all bullshit. Oh, great. (laughs) You know, I went on a weird like wormhole where I got like onto this abortion video and then all these mean comments and i was like on these all, all these crazy accounts being
0: like yeah and i was like oh my goodness <laughs> oh, my <Yeah>. Lord. <laughs> oh my god i'm sure that any woman who's had this experience has the same thing happened like yeah it, i remember there was a i was encouraged to take just a day to think about it um to experience what it would be like to fully allow it to happen mm-hmm. um and I think that was really healing, too, to imagine it and then just be okay with the decision and, and know that my decision was purposed and uh, in alignment. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, every every wormhole that those negative comments lead to or whatever, it's it's really just fear-based. It's just people being afraid of dying. And when you're not afraid of death or you, you understand yourself as a little spirit in a body, it changes mm-hmm. the perspective around death and dying. Um, so, yeah that's very interesting to think about. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. I wanted to ask you too about uh, the love club, which is your new Mm -hmm. course, right? Can you tell us about it? Yeah. Um,
1: Yeah. So the love club, basically I created it last year over about nine months. um, And it's basically a self love and acceptance course really designed to like take you deep, like take you deep into your stuff so that you can like fully look at it and fully integrate it and, like actually really choose to love every single part of yourself and accept every single part of yourself. Um, So it's like a self-paced online course, but we've structured it. So it's like five weeks, you can do it over. And like every single week has a different theme. So like we start out diving into introspection, which is all about shadow work and like really like addressing everything and being like, Oh, like this is what's going on. And week two is gentleness. So it's learning how to be, Forgiving and gentle with yourself and forgiving of others week three is empowerment. It's all about like sensuality and and finding like your courage to be yourself and your authenticity um, We've also got week four which is the higher self which is all about using Spirituality and mindfulness to deepen your self-love practice and then week five is integration, which is all about Self-care and boundary setting and stuff like that. So, you know, it's a bit of a journey and um, it's something that I've, I'm
0: incredibly proud of to have created. Um, and yeah. <laughs> so exciting. I'm like, you, you. you should be so proud of yourself. It's so cool that you've created this. And, and clearly you, you have already done the work yourself. So it's like a beautiful manifestation of what you've already done for yourself and are mm-hmm. sharing with everybody now. So where can people find that if they want to check it out?
1: Yeah, you can find it on my website, freahaley.com or if you're on my Instagram, which is at freahaley. Um, you can find it on there. You can find it on my YouTube. I've pretty much just put it everywhere. So if you look it up, you'll see it. But, um, awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's designed to do like week by week, so a five-week course.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. designed to do week by week, but it's totally self-paced. So if you decide, if you get into it and you're like, oh, I actually cannot do this much in a week, like you can like just spread it out and download it and have it forever.
0: Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, we touched on so many amazing topics today, but is there anything that I didn't ask you that you want to touch on before we go?
1: I think, I think I'm happy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Satisfied, feeling good. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, I'm, awesome. I'm
0: so grateful that you came to chat, Freya, and um, it's just an honor. So I'll link all of that in the description below so people can find you and check you out. All right. Thank you again for hanging out with us today and tuning into this episode. If you feel inspired to send this to a friend who might benefit from this information, that would be beautiful. Again, you can follow Freya on Instagram at Freya Haley and find her at freyahaley.com. I'm at Helen Denham underscore on Instagram and HelenDenham.com. And yeah, have a beautiful rest of your day, evening, wherever you are in the world. I love you. Talk to you soon.